Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Broadcasting from Huntington Beach, yeah. California, and New York City, coast to coast. A big welcome from the Big Apple and from L.A. to all our listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave Nasani, the Caregiver's Caregiver, coming to you on the Caregiver Day radio show, live from the syndicated all-positive talk radio, HealthyLife.net, broadcasting in all 50 states and 135 countries with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg from thecaregiverspace.org. And just a reminder that all our shows are available on demand at HealthyLife.net and our membership website, CaregiverDave.com, voted number two podcast of the top six caregiver podcasts by Caring.com and a bunch of others. And if you go right now to CaregiverDave.com, our free burnout quiz, as well as my first book about overcoming unbelievable hardships, are absolutely free. All you have to do is just click that free gift button. And we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? We do. <laughs> if she says it, it's true. Today we'll be interviewing <laughs> Steve Seiler. Steve uses songs to help encourage and comfort caregivers. Isn't that a comforting thought? And he's a founder and director of Music for the Soul, a faith-based organization that uses songs and stories to help people find healing and wholeness. Steve is a Dove Award-winning songwriter who has had over 500 of his songs recorded by other artists, I assume, as well as yourself. And I'm, I just want to take this opportunity to thank my last week's guest, Mona Lisa Johnson, and her story of how she went to jail for 60 days undercover because of her daughter. That's a great, great story. And you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on HealthyLife.net or on our membership website, CaregiverDave.com. All right, enough of that. Steve, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Dave. It's great to be with you guys. Yeah, finally. And I'd like to ask my guests to take a minute or two and just tell us who is Steve Seiler and why was he put on this earth? <laughs> well, I think uh, I was put on this earth to share the hope and compassion of Christ with people going through the, the world's most difficult challenges. Uh, and caregiving is certainly one of those. Um, I am fortunate enough to be the son of a father who care gave for my mom for the last 15 mm. years of her life. So and thought. now I have, yeah. And now I have the privilege of, uh, of caregiving for him. Uh, I, he doesn't mm. live with me. He's thankfully he's still in his own home. Uh, but he does have Alzheimer's and it is progressing. And so, uh, there are a lot of things that we need to do to, to keep him in that home for as long as we can, where everything is familiar. Uh, had a long career as a songwriter, and uh, naturally I would think that uh, sharing uh, about caregiving through song is a great way to encourage and comfort caregivers, so I'm really delighted to be with you today. So Steve, tell me, what is Music for the Soul, and how did it come about? Music for the Soul came about, uh, I was pursuing a career as a uh, pop songwriter. I was going to, you know, be, write the next great big hit. And I had my first hit on the radio, and when I heard it, 
I didn't feel anything inside. I didn't feel any of the things I thought I was supposed to feel after putting all that time and energy in. And I went into our church in the middle of the night, and I was like, God, I, I believe you gave me this gift of music for a reason. And I don't, I don't think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, in less than 10 days, I got a phone call from a total stranger who had visited our church on a Sunday when I happened to be, happened to be playing one of my songs. This guy called me up. He was starring in Les Rob at the Schubert Theater in Los Angeles. Mm. And he said, I've just licensed a book about childhood sexual abuse. And I want to do a stage play on this issue. And I want it to ha have songs. I want it to be a musical. And I think you're the guy who's supposed to write them. Mm. Ooh. And I kind of looked down at the phone and, and was like, wow, that's really specific. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I thought I'm going to, I'm going to meet with this guy. And as soon as I met with him and saw the picture of the, you know, the eyes of the little girl on the cover. I said, I don't know why you think I can do this, but I, I'm, I'm in. If you think I'm the guy, I'm, I want to try. And wound up doing that stage play, writing the songs. We, we toured the Los Angeles area for three years uh, in public schools, in, in uh, theaters, churches, all over the place. And uh, it was in the process of doing that work that I had somebody tell me, People have been telling me I was an innocent child my whole life, but I never believed it until you sang it today. Wow. When I heard that from that person, I thought, wait a minute, I'm supposed to do something about that. And so Music for the Soul is me doing something about that on the whole host of issues that cause pain. Because I think when people hear a song, they know they're not alone. And that's, that's what we all need yeah. to know, that if we're carrying a burden, others understand and have been through it. And so um, that's how it got started. Yeah, and right. I need to explain how I met Steve, uh, Adrian. Uh, uh, we yeah. have a common friend, Lynn Barrington, who who I met in Nashville because she sold me right. some uh, income property, and she's also mm -hmm. uh, goes way back in the music industry. You know, when she was one of the first women working in uh, yeah uh, for well, where did she work? I forget, but she was one of the first ones. Just uh, you know, hooking up uh, recording artists with writers because a lot of mm -hmm. artists can't write and a lot of writers can't sing, and so can't, it was a match made in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Lynn calls me up and she says, "Oh my God, you've got to meet this guy, Steve Seiler." I says, "Why?" He says, "I don't know. He just he just has anointed music and he he sings to." to uh, the hurts and the needs of caregivers and other people of disability. And, and, and so we met and we instantly connected and, and um, we thought about, uh, you know, perhaps changing the, um, the intro to my show. And he gave me a list of songs. I listened to all of them. And, and there was one song that I really, really liked. What's it called again, Steve? Deep breathing, I think, is the one you're talking about. Yeah, breathe. And so I'm excited to to have that on um, as great. soon as he gets that uh, finished, because you know he has to go to recording studio and doing this, and, and you know, there's no rush, there's no hurry, so it's at his leisure and his time. But yeah, his music, once you hear it, will just I, it just speaks to the soul. I guess that's why you came up with that name. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Um, how did you come to create a project specifically for caregivers? Because nobody is doing that. Nobody's doing anything for caregivers, you know. Yeah. But to have a, a songwriter as talented as you say, you know, uh, well, obviously, you know, because you're caring for your father, but it had to be more than that. 
to say, you know, I want to do this whole thing for caregivers? Well, actually, it, it was a, a very interesting thing that happened. One of my board members who, who came on board for a completely different project, but then it turned out that she was caregiving for three family members mm. in her home at the same time. Mm. She was caring for both of her parents and I believe it was her husband's father in their home mm. all at the same time. Three at the and, same time. Gee, Adrian, that never happens, does it? Got me beat. I had to. Oh my gosh, the stories that she would tell. And it was just, and, and then we started talking about, she had written a book for caregivers. Uh, and we started talking about the need and kind of what you say that, you know, that just said that there is not enough support, not enough resources. And she said, boy, it would be great if Music for the Soul could do a project just for caregivers. And I said, well, if you'll be the chief consultant, we'll get started. Ah. And so that's how it began. And of course, my, my father was caregiving at the time for my mom. So I was I was seeing it on, on a regular basis. Uh, and that's how the project got started. And I wound up uh, combining, uh, you know, personal stories, poetry and interviews with songs. And in the process, tried to create an, uh, an arc where we start and talk about the the, the lack of dignity that the person uh, who needs care can often feel and then just moving through the, the different phases of the caregiving process, the different perspectives, you know, yeah. something for home caregivers, something for people who are caring from a distance, something from people who have hired a professional, oh, just trying to come at it, from, you know, a child caring for, for a parent, a spouse right. caring for each other, that sort of thing. So that we try to cover uh, as many aspects of the caregiving experience as we could. Yeah, well, this may sound like a silly question, but why do you think that music touches people so much more effectively than any other medium that I can think of? Well, there are two. It's actually not a silly question. It's my favorite question. So thank you for <laughs> asking. Um, I didn't know this, and this is what's fascinating. When I started the ministry, I did not know this information. I started the organization because anecdotally, I'd heard the stories of the power of music and I'd seen it in my own life. But what I know now, uh, after having done the research and, and done a lot of reading and, and talked to a lot of smart people, uh, the brain science actually backs this up. We process language primarily in the left hemisphere of our brain. So when I'm talking to you, that, that's where you're, you're understanding what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. We process melody primarily in the right hemisphere of our brain. So the interesting thing about that is melody is where we process trauma. So the things that hurt us, the things that are difficult, melody goes straight to that place. It, mm. And it, it moves the speed of sound, obviously, and, and, and immediately can get right to the heart before we even have a chance to put up our defenses. But when you combine a, a, a lyric with the music, now you have the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere, so you have what I refer to as an all-skate. <laughs> the entire brain <laughs> is engaged. Then when you add the, me the melody piece is also a memory device. People remember nine times more what they hear in song than what they're told. So if I want you to remember something about being a caregiver, if I sing it to you, there's a much better chance that you're going to remember that than if I just tell you. And there's also a chance that you'll actually be able to receive it because it's going to that different place. It's going straight to the heart rather than into yeah. your head where you, yeah, into your head where you can deny it and say, oh, no, not me. It's, you know. I'm yep. not, you know, I'm not worthy or whatever people think, you know. So it's that's that's the thing about music is it it actually bypasses all of that. Well, that's why I want to I want to figure out 
why do I lose my keys and my phone? I can't remember what I ate yesterday and all these these uh, terrible mm-hmm. memory lapses. But this song can come on when I was eight years old, and I yes. know the words to it. I can Every sing it. Every word. I know where mm-hmm. I was when it was playing, and I, yes. you know, and it, it's it's just made a connection. And then I'm, I also think about... Uh, you know how they say music calms the savage beast. Mm-hmm, and I mean, mm-hmm. even even in the Jewish Bible, it talks about uh, you know King Saul who who wasn't mm-hmm. obeying God, and so this this spirit came upon him, this evil spirit, and he was mm-hmm. tormented. And the only way that they could calm him down was to bring in young shepherd boy David to play his harp, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden mm-hmm. the demons went away. You know. Well, yes, obviously music is comforting, and when you put the right lyrics with it, it can also be encouraging and <laughs> inspirational. But something I wanted to make sure and remember to tell you, as you were just speaking, it reminded me, I went to a presentation for caregivers at, at a, a local, um, it wasn't a nursing home, but it was a, a memory care facility. Senior center, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the lady was talking to us about what leaves the brain first when you're talking with about dementia and Alzheimer's. And she had, oh. she actually had it all on a, on a chalkboard and she had an eraser. Yeah. <laughs> and so she went to the board and she goes, okay, the first thing that goes and she's erasing stuff, right? That's powerful. The last thing she erased was music. Mm. So that's what, people, that's what people hold on to the longest. And I was reminded of a time when I was playing a, uh, at a nursing home and they rolled in this lady and, and she wasn't speaking at all. And they said, right. you know, she used to be an opera singer. And she was just catatonic. She was just sitting there staring off into space. I sat down at the piano and started playing. And that woman mm. opened up her mouth and was an opera singer again. <laughs> so it's incredible what music can do. Yeah, and it's a lesson to those uh, who run these facilities that, you know, you go into many nursing homes and they're just, the wheelchairs are lined up in the aisles and they're just staring mm-hmm. at the walls and, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll say, well, what is that? Oh, no, that one doesn't, you know, lights are on, but nobody's home. But mm-hmm. try some music. Try putting headphones on these people. Yes. And you will see them come to life, yes. a personality. Yes. And so that yes, determines a, a good nursing home and a bad nursing home. And nine out of ten mm-hmm. of them are bad. You <laughs> yes. know, it's like you got to find that needle in the haystack. Many of them I wouldn't mm-hmm. put my cat in. <laughs> right. You want the ones that are... Uh, not just putting people in the hallway so that they can, uh, you know, just have freedom to do whatever, but they're interacting with them. They're they're coloring, they're singing, they're, they got headphones on and so on. So, yeah, I thoroughly agree. Thank you for telling me the science because I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that, Adrian? No. Uh, yeah. See. I learned and most something. People don't. There's a couple most of old dogs learning new tricks. <laughs> I know What's that, I know that I, when I was growing up, I I knew the lyrics to everything, um, you know, all every song, and I still do. I'm known for it, and I always said, if if they put my school curriculum to music, <laughs> I would remember. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, we sing the ABCs to our kids, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And and when I want to know what letter comes after the other, you know, like in the middle, <laughs> I've got to sing that stupid yes. song. <laughs> Adrian, well, I, didn't know, I didn't know you. Next time I'm in uh, New York, Adrian, you and I are going karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. Oh, I can't sing you? anymore. 
Oh, sure you can. <laughs> what were you going to say, Steve? Oh, no, no, I was I was just, you know, I was going to say that the other thing that you'll notice is at uh, Christmas time, if you, if you visit a nursing home and start singing Christmas carols, oh, yeah. everybody oh. will light up. They remember all the words. So it's uh, yeah. anytime you can incorporate music into uh, an environment like that, you're, you're doing something really positive. Yeah, and I've seen nursing mm -hmm. homes actually bring children's choirs in. And mm -hmm. yeah. Just, yeah. You combine music with children, and you've got something powerful. Yes. You know what I mean? So what are some things you've learned about caregiving in the process of making the project? I mean, because you, you already knew about mm -hmm. certain things because you're a caregiver. Mm -hmm. You're one of us. Mm -hmm. But what mm -hmm. else did you learn besides all of that? Well, I think one of the first things that I learned was how important a sense of humor is. Mm -hmm. um, Amen. There are going to be things that, ha that happen in the caregiving process that are just unbelievable. It's like you feel like if you tell this story, nobody will believe you. But, but <laughs> giving yourself permission to laugh at the absurdity of some of the things, some of the situations you find yourself in or some mm -hmm. of the things you find yourself right. having to do, I think can help lighten uh, the burden a little bit just for a moment. And especially if you're meeting with other caregivers and sharing, swapping stories. I've had some, mm -hmm. some real belly laughs with other caregivers as, as we share some of our, uh, our more, uh, you know, difficult moments. I think, I think the other thing, and this, I, I don't know why I wouldn't have automatically known this, but I think the thing, one of the first things I learned was that there's heroism in caregiving and it's not put on the tape superhero kind of heroism. I, I feel like, I feel like what's heroic is that they show up. Is that these people I talked to and interviewed, it was their consistency it was their faithfulness to the process. It was their willingness to, to be selfless day after day after day uh, yeah. that was so humbling to witness and so inspiring to hear about and that yeah. I honestly find myself struggling to attain. Yeah, and they don't want attention for it. They don't want you to, to you know, fuss over them and uh, introduce right. them in a crowd of people, uh, give an award to them. They are right. very uncomfortable with that. They're just behind the scenes, just let me do mm -hmm. my thing, mm -hmm. you know. Unfortunately, 30% of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do because, you know, they, they sit there and they suffer in their stress silently. It's like, sure. what do they say, uh, high blood pressure is the silent killer. Well, you know, caregiving yes. is the silent killer also. And my hope third, would be that's a lot. My hope would be that, and, I, and I've heard from a lot of caregivers about what the music does for them. My hope would be that that that's what the Dignity Project does for people is is allows them to uh, let go of some of that stress, to feel their burdens lift away as they listen and as they as as they're hopefully encouraged and comforted, and and even though they may not want the public recognition in that moment can feel seen and, and heard and understood. Yes. Yeah, you're going Definitely. right for the juggler vein of the problem. It's stress. And if you can relieve the stress, even uh, subconsciously, they don't even realize you're relieving the right. stress because they're just, ah, they're starting to breathe mm -hmm. again and they're starting to, I, you know, think again. Yes, Adrian. I, I, I have this sense that when they get a feeling of acknowledgement, it's it's so important because um, they know they're not going to get it from the person that they're caring for most of the time. Mm -hmm. So when someone else acknowledges 
what you're doing is so marvelous, you know, like they might be very humble about it and everything else, but they do like hearing it because everybody will ask, how's the patient and right. not recognize the caregiver. So right. it, it's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I think we're up on a break, so why don't we take a break and we will be right back. And we're back with Steve Seiler and my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg. I'm Dave Nassani. We're on the Caregiver Dave Show. And we're just talking about uh, Steve, who's an amazing songwriter and now is a caregiver. And he put the two together, and he's just doing an amazing project called Music for the Soul. And so let's continue this conversation. Can you give us a few examples of the kind of responses that you've had from people about the project? Well, you know, I was thinking about that this morning. There's the consistent response from people is that they is that you know I felt like nobody understood, but then I heard the songs and and now I do. But my favorites are a little bit more uh, unusual than that. One one lady had been caregiving for her daughter for several years, uh, who uh, passed away uh, in her thirties, and it had been four or five years since her daughter had passed away when she heard a song on our project called "I'm Gonna Lose You." And she said, after she heard that song, she said, it allowed me to not feel guilty anymore. I did the best I could. I did everything I knew how to do, and I, and I lost her anyway. And she said, that, that song gave me permission to forgive myself and to not take the blame and to and just to get out from under all of that shame and guilt that I felt. So that was a huge one for me That's to hear wonderful. from a person. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, another, another one was from a lady who was caring for her husband, and he was pretty much in a vegetative state. Uh, and she said that having the songs was like having a support group in her living room. She didn't have to go anywhere <laughs> or be with anybody else. She could just sit and drink them in and feel like she was surrounded <laughs> by love and support. So that was great. And then there was one gentleman who was doing a talk for a group of caregivers who were caregiving for people who were severely disabled. And they were gathered in, in like an office building conference room or something. And he said at the end of his talk, he wanted to do something that he thought would be more impactful. So he played our song Dignity, uh, which is the first song on the Dignity Project. And he said around the room, he started to hear the sniffling. And, and he said when the song ended, the caregivers and the care receivers were embracing and, and silently holding one another. And there was just this long period where all you could hear was the sniffling and the, and the whispering. Oh. And the, yeah. So, I mean, it, he, he was so moved. And when he shared that with me, I mean, I just, you know, talk about a moment when you wish you could have been a fly on the wall. But, I mean, I just yeah. really <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. yeah, well, you, you obviously heard from God because this is a God thing and it's it's – doing things that nothing and nobody else that I know of is doing and accomplishing. Um, are there any songs in particular that are, you know, personal? Can you tell us some of the stories behind those songs? Oh, yeah. There's, there's there are two that are particularly personal. One is called We've Never Done This Dance Before. My parents cut the rug every party. They were the first ones up and never sat down, and they were good. They were really good dancers. Like they'd been to some school, you know. Watching all those movies in the '40s, I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, 
when my mom, you know, got to the point where she couldn't move around much, naturally they didn't do any more dancing. And uh, there was a lady who had written a poem called Dancing that we did include on the project. And, and she compares taking her mother to the toilet as being a dance. <laughs> and, and so I thought, well, there's a dance that we've never, you know, they've never done before. And I, I literally, with this song, it is, this, is, this was the first time this had ever happened. Uh, I, I woke up and the, the lyric and the melody to, to We've Never Done This Dance Before was playing in my head, literally. Playing in my head, I woke up and went straight to the piano. For the first time. And, yeah, had it never didn't happened. exist before that. Right, right. And is so it, that song is obviously a tribute to my parents. Is that how you normally get your, your songs that you write? They just kind of pop into your head? No. Uh, no, not at all. That's what was so extraordinary <laughs> about it. And I, felt, I truly felt like it was a gift from God for, for me and my parents. And I was able to play that for, for my mom before she passed. So obviously that was a great, great gift to me. Uh, and I really need to give my wife some credit here, too, because when you asked why we did the Dignity Project, I, I remembered, as I was sharing about We've Never Done This Dance Before, when I was trying to decide what music for the soul should do next, my wife actually said, I really think you should consider uh, focusing on the caregiving project. So her, you know, uh, the woman behind the man, it, it's, she's not even behind the man. She's not, not in front of the man and smarter than the man and all that. But uh, she was very, uh, very encouraging and in favor of, of the Dignity Project. The, the other song that's really personal is the one I referenced before, I'm Gonna Lose You, because... I, I realized when I was working on the project, I asked Shelly, the consultant, I said, it seems like with most, most things, when you work really, really hard at something, there's a, there's a goal. There's an end reward right. for all your effort. I said, it, it, it occurs to me that the effort and reward here, the reward is that the person you love is going to die. What kind of reward is that? And she said, absolutely, and you need to write that song. And, of course, I was watching my dad care for my mom, and I knew – He's doing an amazing job, and she's going to pass anyway. And so I'm going to lose you is my song that I wrote to my mom, you know, uh, you know, from my dad. From the, go ahead. Wow. From the minute uh, my husband was diagnosed with cancer, uh, I knew that. That's exactly what was constantly running through my head. I'm going to lose you. But for me... The, the payoff, uh, the goal was that when it was, when he passed, I was there. Mm. Um, I, and, he, and he was listening to a song that I wanted him to hear, as a matter of fact. I was thinking, wow. what can I do for him that will make him feel better? Because he, uh -huh. he was really struggling at that moment. And mm. I put my iPhone on his pillow. And and he passed while the song was on. My hand was on his chest, and the payoff, as I said, was I did everything I could to make his passing peaceful and and make his illness, you know, as comfortable as possible. Yes. So I had no regrets, and having no regrets is a big payoff. That, it is. Yeah. That's that's so beautiful what you shared. You know, I would like to uh, play those uh, two songs sometime during the show. So maybe uh, 
During the next break, you can mm. get them over to me, and while I'm still recording, I can somehow get them on. Mm. Anyway, let's take another break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. And we're back with Steve Seiler, my guest, Adrian Gruberg, my co-host. I'm Dave Nassani. You're on the Caregiver Dave Show, and we're talking about a wonderful project, Music for the Soul, that Steve has come up with. and It's a godly thing. So let's go on with uh, our questions. Um, what, we're going to share at the end of this uh, some of the songs that he uh, just spoke about uh, so that you too can enjoy them and be amazed and mesmerized by them as well, and then we'll tell you how you can get them uh, yourself. So what kind of spoken word pieces do you incorporate on the recordings? I was listening to some of your stuff, and some of them aren't songs. They're just kind of this calm voice saying a bunch of wise things with some cool <laughs> stuff in the background. Explain that. Well, on this on this project, we have uh, a couple of uh, pieces of poetry. Uh, we have people that have uh, written out their stories and, and shared their stories. There's one story in particular about a, a young man whose grandmother had Alzheimer's that is just the most beautiful. I mean, it, it'll break your heart, but with the, with the story and then the song, that he actually helped co-write with me. It's it's just a, it's a beautiful moment. And then we also have done some interviews where we sit down with people who have done caregiving from a you know, specific perspective to ask questions about what that experience is like. So our 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 process is that the the uh, songs and the and the spoken word pieces alternate, so they kind of set each other up or follow each other up, so that there's a, a continuity to the project in 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 whole. Um, you know, I wanted to make it possible to listen to the whole thing all the way through if somebody wanted to. It's about an hour long, um, and the musical styles are fairly consistent. There's a couple moments that, that are a little different, mm. but um, but the spoken word pieces are really helpful, I think, because sometimes when a song just really takes you out, <laughs> so to speak, and you're up really upset and you need a moment, <laughs> the spoken word yeah. pieces kind of give you a chance to breathe. And so uh, there are like uh, 10 or 11 songs and 10 or 11 spoken word pieces you know, on the project in total, so like 20 yeah. or 21 pieces. And I would assume, and it ends uh, with an instrumental marimba solo of It Is Well With My Soul. <laughs> wow. And that sounds strange, but it is the most beautiful, unique thing. And I think people will really enjoy it. Good. That is so cool. You're, you're just, Wow. This is what it's like to to walk in your destiny, to do what you're supposed to be doing, and, and yeah. you know, like you're, you're not out there selling uh, pool equipment or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a good salesman. I, you know, my dad can sell ice Eskimos, and I, you know, not just don't have that gift. <laughs> so, are there any other components to the Dignity Project that you haven't mentioned yet? Well, no, I guess I did uh, mention it a moment ago, but I'll just uh, reiterate that there is a, a book that we created, mm. and each each song has a story. Uh, you know, and it's not the story behind the song; it's a story that kind of mirrors the content of the song. And then all the lyrics are printed out. And I think, especially if somebody is in like a caregiver support group, to be able to share the the books and and sit together and read the stories and discuss them yeah. together. You know, read the lyrics together and, and listen to the songs. I think it's a really nice thing to be able to do. So you sound like you've been to some support groups, huh? Yes, I think support groups are really, really invaluable. 
um, get some under your belt. Reasons, yeah, for the reasons we've discussed. I mean, it just that sense of not uh, not being alone, hearing somebody else. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to say hearing somebody else tell your story, but as a matter of fact, I had uh, a friend call me yesterday and ask if we can write a song next week. His mom is uh, in hospice, and he's he's already saying, I you know, I miss her, but she's not gone. Right. And so he and I are going to get together next week and work on that song. So something that's, new that's around this whole topic. Song. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought so too. So, yeah. So what does your wife think about all of this? I mean, when you first became a caregiver, not all spouses are very supportive because a lot of times caregivers, time is away from the family, away from the wife, mm -hmm. away from the kids, and and you start getting some complaints, you know, he should mm -hmm. be in a nursing home. How much time are you going to be away from your family? You know, we haven't been together or gone out in next number of <laughs> weeks, and the kids need you. You know, they bring homework home. Every, you know, does any of that happen with you guys? Well, I think if 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 I'm honest, there are moments there. You know, there are just moments in any relationship where where this is upsetting. This is, I think, the thing that hurts my wife the most. It, my wife really loved my mom. And she has a sort of, this isn't fair. This isn't how it was supposed to be, you know. My parents were together for 71 years, so it's not like my mom got a raw deal or anything. But, <laughs> but by the same token, it, it would really be great if she was still here. And, of course, in that cruel irony, my dad has Alzheimer's, but he runs a couple of miles every day still. He's completely physically wow. fit. He's in, he's in better shape than I am. He's 89. Wow. 89. My mom, on the other hand, her body betrayed her, but her mind was as sharp as a tack to the day she died. And you just look at that and you go, why? You can't help but ask why. You know that's not a reason. That's not a question that you get that's ever going to get answered on this side of heaven. Yeah. But, but why? Yeah. It just, sometimes you just want to say why. So I think that's what frustrates my wife the most. She's been very supportive uh, with the idea of keeping dad in his home as long as possible because of the routine. And she knows how important the independence was to him. I mean, my dad has said his whole life that he exercised because he never wanted to be a burden. And right. here we are. Yeah. And why is he a burden? Because he's in perfect physical health and his mind is going. Right. So you just, yeah, we don't get to choose that stuff. We just don't. Is he cognizant enough to realize that he should be depressed? <laughs> no, well, that's, that's one of the good things. Uh, I have to give my dad credit. He still says every day, life is so wonderful. Okay. And, you know, most of his life has been taken from him. He can't drive anymore, which drives him crazy. I mean, right. you know, he, he he's, his life is, is slowly disappearing. What's beginning to scare me, he's, he's starting to misremember the stories about mom. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I figure that's a precursor to forgetting her altogether. Uh, so that, all of that's very, very hurtful. But I'll tell you, he, he is, you know, you ask him, how how you doing, Dad? So good, it's scary. Woke up breathing again today. I mean, he's he's still <laughs> like that, and I realized that he could be other than that. So I'm I'm grateful for his attitude because I think it's for me it's been a real blessing that he's like that. Yeah, well, absolutely. The running, the running brings up his endorphins, which which make mm -hmm. him happier. Yes. Yes. Listen, we're going to take another break. When I get back, I want to ask you about your personal experience with burnout. And we're back with Steve Seiler and Adrian Gruberg, and I'm Dave Nassani. We're on the Caregiver Dave Show, and we're talking to Steve. I uh, want to bring up the topic of burnout, right, because it happens. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what you're trying to prevent. And uh, when I asked you before if you went to caregiver support groups, and you said yes. And is that for your personal support to to vent maybe the frustrations that you're going through, or do you always end up sharing and encouraging others with your uh, with your project, or both? Well, naturally, it's if I feel like something we have on on the dignity. Um, Songs and Stories for Caregivers project will help a caregiver. Naturally, I'm going to tell them about it, but no, it's for me. It, when I when I go to a support group, uh, it's going to be because I need to hear from somebody else that, that I'm not doing it wrong, that it's going to be okay, uh, you know, that it's all right to complain once in a while. <laughs> it's all right to be worn out. You know, all, all the things that make us human. You know, I mean, it's a right. superhuman task that we're asked to perform as caregivers and i don't even have dad living with me i know for those who have that right. experience it's even harder so you know i just feel like it gives us support groups give us permission to to to, to be real about it to just yeah. be honest about our feelings what was yep. the first what was the worst symptoms or manifestations that burnout took on you when when you first maybe you didn't even know what it was when it happened until you I didn't know I would, what a caregiver was when I was a caregiver. I had to learn the hard way. I would say for me, impatience uh, was what emerged. Um, <laughs> that I that I thought I should be nicer than this, but I'm just because <laughs> he was a great dad and he deserves my best, and I just want to whack him. You know, <laughs> so I think that's the, the number one symptom for me is that that short-temperedness and that impatience that just doesn't reflect how I feel about him at all. And how long did it take you to realize that, hey, I've got a problem. What's going to fix this? Oh, gosh, I think I need to to realize that again and again, Dave. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I do much better now, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, that's solved. I, I would just say that I find that what I, what I tend to do now is just try to smile first. Just try and smile mm -hmm. and remember that I love my dad and that he was the best father a son could, could ever have asked for and that he's not doing any of this on purpose. He's not doing this just to annoy me. <laughs> and when I, can, when I can remember that, I do better. And no, some I, days I forget. There's a book out there, and it's called, um, uh, gosh, bad with this brain of mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Moments. That's it's called. Okay, let me do that. There's a book out there, and it's called Moments, and it it just explains the dementia Alzheimer's thing in a way that caregivers uh, need to hear it because caregivers don't know how to handle dementia and Alzheimer's. You know, they they get impatient and they get frustrated and they say, "Come on, Dad!" And then they 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 think that testing your Loved one, um, you know, what's my name again? And what's what's your daughter's name? You know, that only frustrates them uh, so much more. Remember we had that poet on the show, Adrian, who had so many uh, great poems about that. Yes, and, she was wonderful. Uh, yeah. And, uh, gosh, we need to hook you two up because her poems <laughs> are amazing. And I bet oh, you anything, yeah. you could put melody to them. She's from Hawaii, but she lives in uh, Stockton, California now, I think. But uh, basically, he says that uh, this author, that caregiver, um, that dementia patients and Alzheimer's patients have a moment. They may only have a 30-second moment. They may have a five-minute moment. 
You know, think of that movie, um, the uh, the Notebook. Remember, she had a moment, and they were dancing, and everything was great, and she she was Clarity. back, and she remembered, and then she says, "Why don't we get away? You know, let's just hop in a car and go somewhere." He says, "Oh no, I don't think that's a good idea." She says, "Oh come on, let's do it." And then all of a sudden, boom, she was gone. He says, "Who are you? What are you doing here? What are you doing in my room?" <laughs> you know, and you have to learn to just appreciate the moments and mm. uh, encourage the moments because. They they calm a person down, and maybe they'll be um, calm the rest of the day just because they had, they had that moment with you where you were laughing over something funny that happened, and then she was gone, you know, and and she feels good because she had a moment. She doesn't even know why she felt good, but you know, encourage the moments when they come, and just let them go when they leave because you're only going to frustrate both of you. So frequently, the music brings on the moments. Yeah. I always, uh, toward the end, when my mother was, uh, uh, you know, really bad with her dementia and she was in a uh, assisted living place, I would bring the headphones and and the the forties yep. and the thirties music, and we would sing together, kind of like karaoke. And right. one, it was one of the very few things we could still do together. And when it was when we were done, when it was time to leave, she had a smile on her face. She felt good, and I bet she didn't even know why she felt good. But appreciate those moments and don't don't. Put him through the third degree. I remember one of uh, yeah. um, one of the the poems of that uh, poet I'm talking about. Um, she she had a thing in there, and it said something like, "Oh, here comes the the one who quizzes me all the time. So what did you eat? And uh, did Sally come and visit you? And I don't know. Just go away. You know? Oh, here comes another one. I like and I'm going to hook you two up. So what I'd like to do now is play some music to hear, you know, just what it is you're doing because, you know, it's better felt than telt, as they say. <laughs> this dance we do, my arms around your waist, your hand on my shoulder. One, two, one, two. Bend, lift, this we do from bedroom to bathroom, wheelchair to toilet. We rise, turn, sink gently down. I'm gonna lose you, no matter how hard I try, you're gonna There's no way to get this right And even if I care I give Is the best that I can do When your race is through I'm gonna lose you Wow, was that amazing or what? 
So if people are interested in getting a copy of Dignity, Steve, how can they do it so they can hear this music and have it in, in their home, take it to their loved ones, etc.? Well, we have a website, naturally. It's called Music for the Soul. And the easiest way for people to find the project is to, is to go to a Google search and type the words Music for the Soul and then the word Dignity. They type those five words. It will come up page one, number one. And then they can just click on it and it will take them straight to the page uh, all of the songs can be listened to right there at the page. Uh, they, they stream, uh, or they can download the project if they want to have the songs, you know, possess the songs. And of course, that's how we get paid. Uh, or they can buy uh, the project as a, as a physical piece, which would then give them the devotional book that, that I talked about with the stories and the lyrics printed and the CD on the inside. And then they can play it on a CD player or load it into their own uh, into their iPhone. Thank you so much for coming on, and, and Adrian, thank you every week for coming on. Uh, you're, you are at adrian at thecaregiverspace.org. That's your email. Yes. And your website is uh, thecaregiverspace.org. And I'm at caregiverdave.com, and my Facebook page is Dave the Caregiver's Caregiver. And Terrific. Well, it was nice to have this time with you, and Adrian, nice to meet you. Likewise. God bless nice you. Nice to meet you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing.